this morning we're in Second Timothy chapter one verses three to five, and I'll, I'll I'll just I'll keep this brief. I'll try as as quickly as I can. Very simple thoughts here for this morning as we're celebrating our moms. Second Timothy chapter one verses three to five. And um, I'm reading from the New American Standard, and I want to encourage you to open your Bibles if you have that, or your app, but if you have your Bibles, even better. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Now, let me give you a little background. Paul, the Apostle Paul, for some of you who know, I'll just a very quick summation. He is writing to Timothy, who he considers him to be a son in the faith, right? He's raised him up. He's trained him. He probably got saved uh, uh, through his, uh, the ministry of Paul as a result of his ministry to his grandmother and mother, which I'll get to in a minute. And here he is. God has called him to be a pastor, a young pastor. And, and Paul is mentoring him. He's training him up and he's giving him instructions as he is this young pastor. And he's writing in the second epistle. And this is the words that he says. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. That is, that is praying without ceasing. Right? And with thanksgiving there. And he's thanking God for Timothy. Verse 4, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. In verse 5, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. We'll stop there. He is reminded of that faith that Timothy has as a result of his parents. Listen, this is, this is the message for us this morning. And I want to encourage you mothers, all mothers, that faith, the faith of a godly mother looks like this. And we find three things here in this passage. And I think it's really important to point out, as I mentioned, we have Timothy's grandmother, Lois, who's involved, and then we have Eunice, his mother. But this is a third-generation Christian. Why? Because it has been passed on. There's a legacy, right? Something that has been, been, been given and shared. Here's the other thing you have to notice as well. If you look in your Bible, in Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, and I'm going there because I, I want to read the word here and not just paraphrase it this morning, but in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, Luke records, and he came also to Derby, talking about Paul, and to Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But then notice this, but his father was a Greek. Now, by implication, in most scholars leave, there's that contrast, that word, even the Greek. But his father was a Greek. And it's, we're led to believe, and all indications are, that Timothy's father was not a believer. But his mother was. His mother was impacted by the, the ministry of the Apostle Paul and missionary journeys and preaching the gospel and establishing churches. And his grandmother got saved and his mother got saved. And now, even though in his home his father had no godly influence, if you will, regarding the faith, his mother certainly did. And we can find that there, and I think that that says a lot. Now notice, this the faith of a godly mother first of all, is exclusive faith. Now let me explain what I mean that. It's faith that is found exclusively in Jesus Christ for salvation. Plain and simple. 
No one else, nothing else. Jesus, Jesus Christ. You, uh, Lois and Eunice, when they heard the gospel, they received it, they heard it as it was, and they believed that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. He was the Messiah, the Son of God. There was no other, and they pass it on to Timothy. It's an exclusive faith. It's an exclusive faith regarding salvation. Right? Look at verse, uh, chapter, uh, verse 13. Now I'm flipping back in my Bible. I do have it in front of me. 1 Timothy, and look at verse uh, 13 in chapter 1. Paul says, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And he's talking about here the words that he's given to him, but those words went to Lois and Eunice as well. And he's talking about the words of faith that are in Christ Jesus, the gospel that was preached, and he's referencing, and this is all about the exclusivity of Jesus for salvation and everlasting life. And Paul is emphasizing that. That exclusive faith that was in Lois and Eunice, your grandmother and your mother, is now also in you. It's in Jesus. Not just for salvation, but think about this, also for the solution to all your problems in life. Think about that. Now, I can think of a lot of examples, and we heard some things shared with Sharon and with Monty and how you take care of me and how you pray. and The, the belief, the faith, the trust. It's really what it is. Faith is trust. What is your faith or your trust as a mother today in? Or in whom is your faith and trust in? For hope, for provision, for strength, for wisdom, for salvation, for you. The list goes on and on and on. Where do you turn? What do you do to cope? Who do you go to to cope when you want to rip every single hair out of your head? How do you cope? Where do you go? Where do you go? Do you wait till the end of the day? And then go to the cupboard and pull out a bottle. Just one glass of wine. It'll calm me down. Did you forget about Jesus all day? Did you forget about Jesus in that moment? The point is, where do you go first? That's really the point. And, and, where, and will you keep it exclusive when you know that that's Him? Will you go there and will you find the solution to life's problems that confront you? Listen, Timothy learned, Tim learned all about this. In earlier, in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, we've referenced the scripture of the sermons throughout the years. But Timothy, who's a young pastor, yes, he's inspired by God. It's the word of God. The Holy Spirit gave him the words. But he was able to write and write confidently under the inspiration that there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. There's only one. There's only one mediator. There's only one solution. There's the one that we call out to in our, in, our, in our problems, in our situations. You don't think that he heard from Paul and from the other apostles the stories when they were imprisoned for the faith or for preaching the gospel? And in that moment, they didn't call out and say, God, please send us a little tiny hammer like in Shawshank Redemption. And I want to slowly get through that wall and get out. If you don't know what that is, it's a movie. It's actually a great story, but you know, whatever. No. They called out to God and they were praising God in that moment. And the solution came with the power of God coming and visiting because their faith and trust were exclusively in Jesus. Now, having said that, it doesn't mean God doesn't give us other tools and things. I don't mean to say that. But where do you go first? 
What do you do first? It's got to be Christ Jesus for your salvation and for the solutions in your, in your life that confront you with all those problems and challenges that we have in our life. It's got to be exclusively in Christ. A godly mother's faith is exclusively in Jesus. Because everything else, when you place faith and trust in someone or something else outside of Christ, do you know, let me just summarize it this way, it's always a dead end. It's a dead end. It's a dead end. Is your faith exclusively in Jesus? And I know that for most of you and a lot of you it is. That maybe you've kind of, kind of gone off track a little bit and you're adding or you're thinking about other things or you're dismissing that truth in, in some regard in your life. Return to that and model that and be that for your children, for your family, because the faith of a godly mother is first exclusively found in Jesus Christ. Secondly, we see that Paul writes in these words, he says that it is a sincere faith. He talks about Timothy's faith. But again, it's been passed on. He has been modeled for him. His grandmother and his mother had this sincere faith. Your translation might say genuine. Let me tell you, those are great words because that's how we understand it. But you know what it should be? If we would do a really literal and get like in the Greek and we, we say what it is, it would be an unhypocritical faith. Actually, even more specifically, it would be an undisguised faith. Right? It's not pretend. It's not just a showy, surfacy. It is the, in the core of you, and it touches everything in your life. It's not an act. It's the real deal, right? You know, I've, I've met some folks, and I have to share this story because it's, it's actually... I pray for them, but it's tragic, this kind of mentality or approach to being a parent or being a mother. Years ago, this goes back to probably, oh boy, I'm going to say 12, 13 years ago, we had vacation Bible school. We had a whole slew of kids and parents and mothers would come in. And I remember having a conversation with a mother after the Friday night celebration. We have like awards and we, we review what we did and then we have like a potluck back there and we have a great time, right? So I was talking to a mother and the mother with her husband next to her, the father of, of these two children said, well, we just thought it was really important, you know, that while they're young, you know, we just get them some religion and get them some, like, truth in their lives and all that. And it just, my heart sunk. That, because what that is, based on their own upbringing in, in the Catholic Church, or in whatever, and, and, and for one of them, and the other one had another upbringing, whatever that was, it, it, they're, they're implying what they're saying is, is as they get older, and actually... The, they said it, not in these exact words, but they'll make their own choices, and then we kind of just, you know, it is what it is. We want to get them here, get them some religion, get them some truth, and then you move on. That is not a sincere faith. I'm just going to call it what it is. It's not a sincere faith. You don't own it. It's not yours. You just want to give them something, and you have nothing to offer in return. And so when the questions come, you'll be like, well, you will figure it out. They'll tell you at VBS, or they'll tell you in Sunday school is I hope that's not how we mother or parent, right? But that we actually have a sincere faith that is genuine. It's not an act, right? And, you, and as they get older, eh, nah, it's all right. They'll, they'll figure it out. No, your sincere faith endures. It doesn't just last for false faith. Hypocritical faith doesn't last. It doesn't endure. 
It gets found out. It manifests. And then it actually, in the end, destroys, believe it or not. Right? How do you know if it's hypocritical faith? Well, let me just offer a couple suggestions. First of all, if it's hypocritical faith, it's going to be just head knowledge, but there's nothing here. The trust isn't in your core, in your heart of hearts. It's just head knowledge. It's information. And you have a belief system, but you haven't moved to faith. And I'll explain that in just a minute. You're believing this and you're, you're, you're compiling an organized way of thinking about God or religion or what our life is spiritually like, and you leave it there. The other thing is, with a hypocritical faith, is that you're all about the show, about people-pleasing. Well, to go back to this couple, I took my kids to VBS when they were young, and I'm taking them now. Look at I'm good. I'm a good parent. That's, that's hypocritical faith. And I'm only saying that because I know the story. I'm not saying that because I'm assuming anything, okay? So don't, don't run in your head that I'm just making assumptions. I happen to know, okay? So that is a hypocritical faith. The, the next way, and I'll just leave one more with you, how you know it's hypocritical faith, is that, which is the very definition of being a hypocrite. What you are in private is not what you are in public. You may not have a sincere faith, a genuine, undisguised faith, if you're different in private than when you are in public about your declaration of trust and faith exclusively in Jesus God's son and to trust his word so much that you submit and obey it you might be exercising hypocritical faith if I could call it genuine faith is simply this you say it you you say it and you say you believe it but you believe it and it becomes faith because now you do it Right? We know James 2.26. Words and are, are, are cheap, they're often, but actions speak louder than words. It's all about that. And so you, you say you believe it, but you trust it so much that you actually do the Word of God, and you're, you're sincere, you're undisguised, it's who you are through and through, and it comes out in all that you do. Not just what you say, not just what you believe, but the now how you live. Right? So as, this might sound like a challenge, and it is, but it's an encouragement as well. To, for those of you who are, and mothers, especially when you've had this kind of a, a godly faith and a, a biblical faith that, that Timothy's grandmother and mother had. Look, genuine faith is all about faith and works. In private, in public, when you're alone, when you're with others, anywhere and everywhere you are. Now, I'm not, I didn't tell you perfection. God's perfecting us, right? But I'm talking about faith. A genuine, sincere faith is not hidden. It's not played. It's not acted. It's the real deal, and it's evident everywhere and all the time. You know, here's the truth. Ooh, I can't tell tell you. I don't say this to, to make you feel uncomfortable, but I can't tell you what some of the kids in this church have told me about their parents. I don't judge you, I don't whatever, because I I have my own issues, right, and challenges. You know, when you ask a child about something, about their parents or their family, or they just share, ooh, they tell it the way it is. You know what that is? It's undisguised. It's sincere. It's truth. 
through and through. There's no hiding. They just say it the way it is. The reality is what the reality is. The problem is, is that as we get older, we know how to shroud the reality or make the reality what we want it to be, and we become hypocritical. But you can't do that with a child. So here's the thing. Here's the test. Ask a child about who their parents are. Ask a child about their mother. They'll tell you. It's true. They'll tell you. This faith, this genuine, sincere faith was taught. And that was a powerful thing because that was an instruction that Moses gave God's people in Deuteronomy twice. Well, actually, many times. Let me clarify. Many times. But in chapter 4, verses 9 of Deuteronomy and chapter 6, verses 6 to 7, they're instructed, God's people, and, and the parents are instructed to teach and instruct God's law and commands all the time. So it's something that is taught. This faith, this belief in God's Word is something that is taught to their parents on an ongoing basis. But even more, it's modeled. You teach it with your words. You teach it with instruction in the home and you outline it. But then you live it out. You live it out. 2 Timothy, if you look, turn to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verses 14 to 15 are amazing verses when we talk about the influence of, of, of Timothy's uh, grandparent, uh, grandmother and his mother. It says in verse 14, You, however, continue... Actually, I'll go to 13 because we're talking about hypocrisy and an insincere faith. He says, But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse. Right? This is gonna, what's going to happen in their ministry. Deceiving and being deceived. And he says in verse 14, he makes a contrast to Timothy. You, however, continue, which implies he's there. Keep it up. Good job. Keep going, right? Continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. How do you become convinced of? Well, my mom said that this is what it is, and then I see that it is. We also get convinced of things that aren't when we say that this is what it is and this is what God says and this is how it has to be, but then we don't live like it is and we convince on the other side. So we have to be very careful and it's a challenge to you mothers, but also an encouragement to keep going and continue like Timothy. But he says, you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them, and look at verse 15, and that from childhood, from childhood, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. There's that faith in Christ Jesus that's exclusive, and here's that sincere faith in his grandmother and his mother, and he's saying, you know that. Keep it going. Keep it up. Don't neglect that. It it gives you wisdom. So it's been taught to you, but it gives you wisdom because in this case, it's been modeled for you. That knowledge, that truth that is taught, that is stored, that is hidden in the heart, when it is lived out and modeled, we realize it's wisdom. It's the wise way to live, not the foolish way to live. And Timothy saw that over and over and over And his grandmother and mother had a sincere faith, and now he had that. Right? Again, ask a child about their mother, their parent, and you'll learn a lot. Let me give you an example real quick, and then we have just one more thought before we close. But 
when I was growing up, my sister was three years old. Maybe a couple of you know this story. And my mom was no act. She wasn't an imposter. She wasn't a, a, let me tell you how it is, and then I'm not. It was, it was through and through all the time. She taught it. We prayed together. She read the Word. She modeled it for us. She, she, it, it, was, it filled her life all the time, in the house, outside of the house, in the church, with family, with unbelievers. She did. She wasn't ashamed, right? I mean, she, just, she was who she was. It was genuine. It was the real deal. My sister was three years old, and I was out with my brothers in the front yard on 6489 Hamden Road in Parma Heights, Ohio, on that beautiful day. It was like this. And we were playing in the front yard, and we had, a, we had our baseball bat and like a little wiffle ball, and we're playing. My, bro- my two brothers, myself, and a couple neighbors. And we're playing, and we're goofing around in the front yard. And my sister, three years old, gets on our tricycle, and she's going back and forth on the driveway before the tree lawn, you know, out to the curb on the road. And she's going back and forth between our house and then our neighbor's house, the Robs. And we didn't notice, well, I, we noticed it eventually, but our neighbor, she had just turned 16, Deb. Deb Rob. Debbie Rob. That's her name. She got in her parents' Chevy Impala. Yeah, I'm being specific. I remember all these things, clear as a day. She gets in the car. My sister's going back and forth. And my sister's a little girl, and Deb's 16, so she, you know, she looked up to her, had some respect for her, and she's an older woman, you know, a girl, I should say. So she wanted to go over there and say hello, and she went over to say hello with her tricycle, and the next thing we saw was my sister underneath the car with the tricycle. And when we went out there, we ran, stop, we're yelling at Deb, and she had the radio cranked, and she's backing up, you know, because, you know, when you're 16, that's what you do, I guess, and at least they didn't when I was growing up. So backing up, didn't even know, but she ran right over my sister. And as we get there, my sister's head is literally under the left rear tire of the car. And we're screaming at the top of our lungs for her to stop. She didn't, she stopped because she must have felt it, frankly. And my parents, my dad was in the basement working, my mom was cooking in the kitchen. They ran out. I never saw my parents run faster in my entire life. And they ran out. And when they saw, when we all got there and got, my dad pulled her out. And my sister, literally, and my brothers will testify, had tread marks on her face. Her ear was torn, and when my dad picked her up and grabbed her, and he grabbed her hair, and she was scalped in an area that was about this big on the back of her head, and she still has a scar, and my dad's holding a huge wad of hair. My sister is in shock. Unresponsive. I thought she, she was like a zombie. And my mom and dad run, my dad, and they looked at her, and the first thing they did... The first thing they did is they called out to Jesus loudly. They didn't care. I know it's an emergency, and a lot of people do don't even have sincere faith. I get that. But they did. They didn't care. They would do that at the kitchen table. They would pray for sick people. They would call to God in any situation. And they grabbed her, and the neighbors are coming around. And my mom, oh, Jesus, please save my daughter. No, and calling out to God. And my dad, now listen. That's where they went first. They called out to Jesus. They knew what he was capable of and his ability and he's God all powerful and mighty and he rescues and he saves and he delivers and they called out in their sincere faith that was exclusively in Jesus and they went there first. Now let me add, they also called 911. 
Because that's the smart thing to do. That's the wise thing to do. Do you know, my sister just had some scars and they put her ear back together. They, 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 they fixed up her, her head and it, it, it got her. She's, she's, got, she's doing great, right? And on her arm that got dragged under that tricycle, she's backing up. She had a burn that you could see almost her bone from her armpit all the way to her wrist. And today it's still there, but that scar is probably about that big. And it's a reminder of the grace and mercy of God and protection of God, but also a reminder of the sincere faith of a mom who didn't give a care and just called out to the one true God to spare her daughter. Haven't you done that, parents of sincere faith? Yeah. I share that because it's powerful. It is amazing. It's something that's lived out, not just when we're at the kitchen table, but wherever we are. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. What's on the inside comes out. That's what sincere faith is. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. There was a sincere faith. Timothy had that faith as well. And here's the last thing, and we're going to pray in a minute. Notice that this, this, this faith of this godly mother and these, this grandmother and mother that was passed on to Timothy was passed on. There's a legacy that was there. There's something that's shared. It's influential. It's powerful. It's something you can't forget. It's passed on. It's passed on. Now, genuine faith has influence toward godliness. I didn't say it's a formula. That's a guarantee. It has influence towards and for godliness. Mom and moms this morning, you are disciple makers. I don't want to get in trouble, but frankly, maybe even more than dads. The time you spend the instruction you give, the stuff you put up with that we as fathers don't put up with a lot of times. You're disciple makers. You are making these potential followers of Jesus Christ and you are modeling and your sincere faith comes out and they see it. Genuine faith, a sincere faith that is exclusively in Jesus is passed on through your encouragement and through your reminders to the truth and and to serve God. Do you remember Hannah in the Old Testament? I encourage you to read her story if you haven't in a long time. She was an amazing woman of God whose faith was in God. Dealing with that barrenness, which is a bad thing in the culture back then. It's not, it was, it, and she trusted God. And she proved her dependence on praying and fasting and going to the priest. And when she had done everything she could, even in those means that were right and truthful and, and in line with what God's people should do, when, that, when she did all that, in the end, she left it all to God. And in the end, we know what she did. She was faithful to take him to the temple, took care of him. She took care of his needs, brought him new garments, right? She, she, there's a lot there. I'll, I'm not going to give it all away. You read that. And in the end, when it all turns out the way it does, she dedicates him to God, and he ends up being a world changer, if you will. Powerful for the glory of God and for the purposes of God. Notice one thing as an encouragement 
and as a challenge, that Timothy's grandmother and mother, I'll make it more broad so we can all relate. Notice that Timothy's family didn't give him his faith. They can't. You can't. You can't. But you can do everything by God's grace and power to maintain that sincere faith and model what that looks like no matter what the treatment is or disregard or whatever by your children, mothers. Your faith cannot be given to your children. It can be modeled. And your faith can be lived out in Christ. And you'll share that faith on an ongoing basis. And remember that faith, the Bible says, is a gift from God. Saving faith. And that saving faith leads to a sanctifying faith. A faith that when you are being sanctified and becoming more like Christ, that's all in God's hands and, and in that individual's submission when they receive that gift of faith to believe on Jesus sincerely and exclusively as their Lord and Savior. Here's the thing. Timothy's faith was Timothy's faith. How about that? Timothy's faith was Timothy's faith. I can't have my mom's faith. I never had my dad's faith. I know we make comparisons and we'd like to, and, we, and they model for us, we want to be like that. And that's good and that's noble, it's proper, it's right. But my faith is my faith and it must be exclusive, sincere, so that I can pass it on, so that you, mothers, can pass it on. Moms, you have power. I mean that. You have power, not in your, of yourself, and yet you do. But especially with the Holy Spirit and your submission to God, you have power. Your sincere faith in Christ alone must be passed on by your words and your life because who knows your son or daughter just might be someone who revolutionizes the spiritual landscape in our world how do you know but i haven't seen it yet you don't know you keep modeling that your sincere faith gets fanned and stirred up and you stay in the word and you Stay full and abide in Christ. God knows. So a godly mother's faith is exclusive. It's undisguised. It's sincere. It's the same everywhere all the time. And it's something that is passed on. It's not given. It's passed on. It's modeled. It's shown. With full faith and trust that our children will one day too serve the Lord. Amen? I close with, I don't know if it's a charge, a charge maybe, and an encouragement. And the first charge is to children. Children of mothers. And, and that in, in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, and I'm looking at this verse, and I have flashbacks too, because I'm thinking of Jimmy Butler, our brother Jimmy Butler, and Awana years ago, and this was a memory verse for Preston and for Cohen, and hopefully you remember this. Proverbs chapter 6, children, 
which means this is for all of us. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 and 22. My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. I love that language. It's powerful when you have a godly mother who walks in wisdom and has sincere faith in God alone. This is what happens. You take that instruction from your mother and you bind it around your neck and there's power in that. You keep it close to you. Don't let it leave you. So children, do it. Let's all do that. And moms, I give you an encouragement. Just directed to the Scripture and as I was preparing, and I'll read this to you to encourage you this morning. And this is my prayer and my wish for you this morning. In Psalm 115, verses 14 to 15. Mothers, may the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed of the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. Can't summarize it any other way. That's our desire. That's our prayer. That's what we want for you. We love you. We thank God for you. And we pray that you have the best Mother's Day ever and that your children give you all the honor and praise that you should get, but that ultimately it all gets directed to God the Father. Amen? Amen. Lord, as we go this morning, I pray for our mothers. Bless them, Lord. Keep them, Lord. Sustain them. Provide for them all they need that, Lord, as they place their faith, that sincere, undisguised faith in You, exclusively in You, Lord God, that they would be a model that becomes a legacy that gets passed on so that their children, too, may walk in Your ways, pleasing and glorifying You. Lord, today, may this be a day of joy, and a day of blessing. God, from this day forward, God, I pray your anointing, your blessing rest upon our mothers. Use them, Lord God, in the home, outside the home, and may they be praised by their children because of their fear of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.